Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, glad you uh, came here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, let me get my prop, sorry. Uh, who don't know me, um, I am on the elder board here. I um, usually, by day, I guess I am a civil engineer and run a, an office um, down in downtown Tacoma. And so most of my time talking in public is about uh, exciting things like seismic response spectra in soils and uh, water tanks and how they react with different uh, vibrations and uh, earthquakes. But so if I start talking about that, just maybe snap me out of it and I'll get refocused. Um, but uh, no, so usually don't, uh, don't do too much preaching. Um, maybe those of you here on Sunday and hear me do the announcements might argue with that. But as far as like an actual full sermon, uh, don't do that too much. Um, and so what does a guy do li like me do when he is tasked with that? Of course, I spent the first couple days kind of Googling for um, you know, sermon outlines or how does one prepare for a sermon, right? Um, and then I remembered back to uh, some advice uh, that I heard here, maybe even on this stage, is that uh, be brief. And if you can't be brief, uh, bring a prop. So I'm hoping to be brief and... I oh, uh-oh. Brought a prop. Um, yeah, so, all right. Well, there's the prop, but, um, shoot. I had plans for that. That was like a perfect example in, in, in visual aid, but, um, well, I guess we'll just throw it away, right? Um, no, but actually, this is uh, really a perfect prop for my message today. Um, it... Uh, titled it Mended with Gold, and this comes from a, um, a message that we really, uh, really stuck with me. It was about three years ago. My wife and I went to a uh, conference for foster parents, so we're foster and adoptive parents, I guess is the conference. So we're foster parents. We've been foster parents for about eight and a half years, right? Okay. And we're adoptive parents, too. That's, that's fair. Um, and this was a, uh, it was a message that really stuck with me, and it's been with me about the last few years. And so I'm hoping that this sticks with you all, too, even if it's not a few years. I hope that it is, but at least for a little while. And it's about a Japanese art form called kintsugi. And it's what kintsugi is, you can see here, is it's, it's an art form that takes broken pottery and joins it with gold. And you actually, this is about four or 500 years old uh, art form. And what it does is it actually displays the history of a object as part of its beauty. So rather than it just being this flawless masterpiece, it takes that history and accentuates it and shows that and displays that as part of its beauty. And I believe that that's what God does with us. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. So our brokenness, right? Like this dish, we're all broken. We all have been through some stuff, right? So you look to the left, you look to the right, it's broken people. We've all been through some stuff. And this stuff... Sometimes it's just things that happen to us, right? Um, you know, I can think of broken relationships, uh, you know, personally, and I don't think I'm the only one in this room. 
parents leaving, and you know, my mom, when my parents got divorced, left, didn't hear from her for however many years, and as a 12 and 13 year old boy, to have to be the one that initiates that contact with your mother, and I think other people are like that with their parents too, and I'll tell you, not much else I think can rock your sense of value like something like that. And so, you know, other things that have happened, you know, by no power of our own, right? So sometimes it's bullying, it's abuse, it's being in a broken home. Um, you know, one that I think happens that people don't talk about too much is even, you know, like things like miscarriages or just failed dreams and broken dreams. And these are things that happen to us outside of our own power. And other times, there are things that we do to ourselves and to others that cause those brokenness. And that's sin. So maybe that's, you know, affairs, substance abuse, addictions. Um, all those things can happen. And we all leave those, that all leaves us broken and wounded. And, when, and then we're left like feeling like a heap of broken shards, just like this table just like this bowl. And so what do we do with those broken shards? We need to be healed, right? We need to be joined back together. And that's where Jesus comes in. So we, we need to bring it to Jesus. We need to come to the healer. And I'll say too, if, if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior, um, just know that he loves you and he wants that relationship with you. He wants to be your healer. And I would love to talk with you about that afterwards. So if that's you uh, and you feel like nudging in that direction, please come talk with me afterwards. Um, we'd love to be praying with you about that. And so if you read through the Bible, there's just countless stories of healing, right? So New Testament, Old Testament, the whole Bible, I would say, is really a story of redemption. It's about our feelings as people and God working to restore and redeem and repair our, that relationship and us throughout the entire Bible. And God is the mender and the healer. Um, Psalm 103, this is David, King David, David and Goliath, David, uh, writing a praise to the God. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. So God is the healer. He is the redeemer. And he crowns you with love and compassion. So he's rescuing from a pit. And then he's crowning you with love and compassion. What a beautiful picture. So I'd say, what do we usually try to do, though, when we find ourselves broken? When we find ourselves like this? Um, we just try to fix it ourselves. You know, we... We just try to strap it together, and when we do that, really what we're doing is we're, we're using inferior materials, and we're using poor workmanship. These are things like quick fixes or distractions, um, things that we just try to kind of distract ourselves from these, these hurts or these wounds, and we tend to go from one distraction to another over and over again. And then one of the issues with this is that those, those don't last, right? They they're shoddy. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I did a couple dry runs of this, and uh, 
and it and it didn't hold up, right? It it broke again. It did uh, didn't hold up, right? It's quick fix. Doesn't last. Um, you know, I can think of a, a personal story that to share as uh, some of my wounds. Um, in the first six years of school, um, I lived in uh, three states and about five different um, five different elementary schools. Um, and so some of this brokenness that I'm going to talk about comes from just being introverted naturally. Um, and so we're making friends at school is a little bit hard. Um, and I think it's hard for a lot of people, but introverts, I think, have a little bit more challenge. Um, and so moving from school to school to school just became very hard to make those friends, and then the next year have to make new ones. And eventually, it just gave up. It wasn't worth the effort. It was like, ah, you know what? I'll just work on my own. I'll, I'll be self-reliant. I won't, I won't try to engage anybody with anybody. I'll just take care of it myself, right? And this is something that I think I'm still recovering and healing from. And so I'm, I'm, I pray about it quite often. Um, a real big theme of my prayers right now is about being in community and relationship. And so I think you're going to hear a lot about that today, to be honest. Um, but those are some things that, you know, when I was that age too, we didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, uh, I think the first time my father was in church with me was actually at my wedding. Um, so I didn't know that there was a God out there that loved me and wanted to heal me and wanted to restore me. And so it becomes a little bit challenging, right, as you are growing up in these things, trying to just be self-reliant on everything and, and shut everybody out and heal ourselves, right? But what happens when we let God do the healing? He is the one that puts the pieces back together, and he mends us with gold. In Isaiah 61, it's a great, great passage of scripture. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So this is the prophet Isaiah talking about Israel in captivity. So they've been put into slavery, marched out of their homeland. And this is Isaiah speaking. So the, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord, of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Another passage said, uh, for the display of his glory. And so you can see here that God doesn't just take away those wounds. He doesn't just kind of varnish over them and pretend that they're not there or erase them. He actually replaces them with good things. He takes your sorrow, he takes our ashes, and he puts joy in them. He puts beauty in them instead. And so, um, what does he, so what does he, so, what, so he doesn't take away, he just adds, right? So he, he, he adds value to the situation. I think Donald has another picture here for the, and I think it might be a similar one there, but you see that he takes the brokenness and he puts it back together and he adds the gold, he adds the value, right? You think about how, how much that, 
This was 50 cents, right? <laughs> Which is probably why I was willing to do that. <laughs> um, if we were to join that with gold, could you imagine, one, how much longer that took than to make it originally, and two, how much more valuable and beautiful is that to display that? I mean, if you saw that in somebody's house, I think you'd be like, tell me, what happened to that? Tell me the story of that, right? What happened? And what a great, I think, just visual of what God does with us. He's the gold, and he's the craftsman. He adds that value to our broken situation. And I think a lot of us are still in the process of being healed. And so true healing is only done by God, is my contention. And I think it's also largely done in community. It can happen quickly or take a long time, but I think a lot of it does happen in community. And first, you have to come to Jesus for that true healing. Some ways that we can position ourselves for God to do his healing work um, are think, prayer. And in that community setting, I think there are godly counselors that sometimes we need to go to. We, don't, we can't just do it through prayer on our own. And I don't think that we should be ashamed about that. I don't think we should try that. And also support groups. So there are lots of times where we have uh, support groups that are also Christian support groups that just to know that you're not alone is a powerful way that God can speak and heal, heal your wounds. And one of the things, too, that I will say is if we are causing sin or we have sin and we're causing other harm or wounds, we can't continue in that. Paul, the apostle, um, to the early church in Rome, um, in Romans 6, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? So he's saying to the church in Rome that, yes, grace has covered your sins. Grace has forgiven you. You have grace. But do you just continue in that? No. I mean, you're showing his healing and his power through through his grace, but don't continue in it. And some ways to protect against sin, I think, are repentance, of course. So uh, in 2 Corinthians 7, it says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So the sorrow of the godly sorrow has you move away from those sins to righteous behavior not just to be sorry about it, not just to feel bad. And I think, again, to be in community of believers that are trustworthy and hold you accountable is an important thing. And confession in those communities, uh, James 5, verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's that word again, right? Healed. And that's so that you can confess and pray for one another. Don't hide it. Don't try to just cover it up. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I believe that so much. I believe that so much. And I think even after we heal, we have these, these mended wounds that we have, we still like to hide them. We still don't want to show it. We still don't want to show our history. We cover up, we hide them, and sometimes that leads to shame. And I think there's examples all around us. Um, social media is a great one. 
uh, a great example, right? I think of all these filters that they have on these now of makeup, skinnier, you know, whatever. It just makes you not even look like yourself, right? Um, we want to show our best self or what we consider our best self, right? Air quote that one. Um, you know, this is what it is, right? Like, how am I? Doing great, right? Don't, don't pay attention to me drowning. Uh, but I'll say that the root of this is pride and it's competition, right? We want other people to think that we're doing well. We want everybody to think we're doing great, no problem. And in case you haven't realized, those other people are doing the same thing, right? They're not doing as well as you think that they are, or at least as well as they want you to think that they're doing. And so this is just our natural tendency to hide and pretend like nothing's happening. And this often, when we hide, leads to shame. And that's something that I definitely want to talk about. I think this is something, shame is something that uh, I'm reminded is not a uniquely human trait either. Um, this is my dog. Oh, it's, she's, a little, she's a great dog. She's a great dog because she's my dog, yeah. I think most other people would probably <laughs> hear it and not think she's so great. But um, she, so she's chocolate lab. And we have, uh, you know, all our kids and have stuffed animals in a room. Um, frequently, we come home and there is a random stuffed animal laying around on the carpet somewhere, just a little island, not to bits, yeah, not to bits, but just kind of sitting there, sprawled out. And uh, and and it's from upstairs. And it's because she likes to go when nobody's home, go upstairs, grab one, and bring it down. And I don't really know what, but uh, they're not damaged really. So it's uh, it's it's. Oh, sometimes the eyeballs, you know, my wife's reminding me, sometimes the eyeballs are chewed off. But, um, but at any rate, she, she does this. And so when we come home, we'll see it, and, and we'll pick it up. And when we show it to her, she will look away from you like this, like we'll avoid eye contact at all costs. And I think that this is just her, her shame. This was this morning, actually, I took this picture. I took one of those stuffed animals, and, I looked, and she was looking at me, and I held it up, and she just immediately went like this. <laughs> So it's, it's one that we're, you know, we have shame. We, we have hide. We have these, we want to hide that and have these, the shame over it. Um, and I think there's that big difference, right, between shame and that repentance, that godly sorrow. And the shame is not a godly sorrow. So I want you guys to know that and hear that. Um, so in, can we do the next one there, Donald? Yeah, so a couple fishing hooks. Oh, ah, shoot, one's a little bit different there. So... These fishing hooks, um, who's, a, who's a fisherman here, right? We've got, I think, lots of folks, right? So, so what's, what do you notice about the tip of this, these fishing hooks? They're barbed. They're barbed, right? So why would you, so there's, there are ones that are not barbed, right? And what, what's the difference between, why would you use one versus the other, a barb versus a non-barb? The law. <laughs> Non-barb comes out easier, right? So if you're going to catch and release, because of law, right, probably, um, you're going to use a smooth one, right? And to me, shame is like that barb, right? You're going to get, you're going to, sometimes you're going to bite. Sometimes that is, you're going to get hooked by your sin or your failing. Sometimes you're going to get hooked. And that shame is like that barb. And when you hide and you have that shame, 
you can fight it and it's just gonna work itself deeper and deeper and get more and more stuck, right? Versus confession and having that community that's there to support you and hear you is, is like taking that, using that smooth hook. It's, you still may, might get hooked, but it's gonna come out so much easier. And I think that's where we don't hide things and we don't have that shame. It just makes it easier because we are gonna fail. We're gonna fall. We're fallen people, right? But let's not have that shame that just gets in there and, st and, and sticks. Um, also, I would say, so in addition to shame, hiding our wounds and our healed and our scars, um, it makes us, I think, a little less relatable. Um, you know, there was a uh, survey done not too long ago about the favorite kind of DC characters. And, uh, you know, I think they asked maybe Batman or Superman. And uh, I would probably vote for Superman, but a lot of people voted for Batman. It was, I think it was like a landslide. And it was, uh, they attributed it to him being more rela relatable. He has some character flaws. He, he can be relatable. Um, and I think this is, it just, it, that's, I think, is showing some human nature that's in all of us, too, that we can relate more when we see people that are, that have been through some stuff like us, right? Um, I mean, you think about your own life, right? So who have you really connected with because, because they had no flaws, because they had no issues, right? There's, I guess, spoiler, right? We all have issues, so there's nobody there. But um, being able to connect on that level is, is a human trait. And I think when we feel like, we, when we see, when we feel broken, and we see somebody with no scars, no flaws, or that is what we are, what they're projecting, uh, it can make us feel like we, we don't have hope, right? Here we're broken, everybody else is not. So how do we get restored? And it's, and it's a false, it's a false understanding. It's a false presentation. And I think that the enemy, the devil, Satan, you name him, he wants us to think that we're still broken. He wants us to think that we're still this pile of shards, just ready to be thrown out, disqualified from service, right? Just like I had, you maybe had big plans for this bowl to do something, right? And then it's broken, and it's useless now. You can't, you can't use it. That's, where, that's what the devil wants us to think we still are. And then when you, when you are healed, God puts you back together. And he's going to, before this, though, he's going to try to keep you from being healed in the first place. He's going to do those things like we all, I think, fall into that, I got this. I can take care of it myself. It's not too bad. I don't need to... I don't need to confess. I don't need to go into community. I can just handle it myself. And when, he, when we get over that and we do go get help and we do get healed, he's still going to try to convince us that we're ugly and broken. And he'll try to convince us to hide our scars. He wants us to hide so that we can't show others that God is a healer. Luke 8, um, 16 says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. So our scars are like that, right? So we've been through some stuff. We've been healed. Let's not hide it. Let's put it on display. 
And Ephesians 2 says, we are his masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. So we're not, we're not this. We're his masterpiece. And I think that we believe the lie that we're not valuable and have nothing to offer and that we've been disqualified. I was at a meeting this week of long-standing Christians, and to hear them even talk about feeling disqualified for ministry over some other things, it, I mean, that's, that's just a great tool if you're trying to demotivate somebody. So the enemy is trying to convince people that they're not able to do these things and not impact the kingdom. And, um, and we prayed through that, and... Um, and so this, this is, it was just a, it was interesting, interesting timing for this message as I was preparing it. Um, but we haven't been disqualified, right? So we need healing. God provides that healing. And just because we have a past doesn't mean we're not qualified to do his service. So in Romans 8, God says really basically he doesn't waste anything, um, that he uses all things to, uh, sorry, we, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So despite what we've been through, God works in that for the good of his purpose. Um, you know, your healing can inspire other people. When we're feeling broken, to see somebody that was broken and healed is an amazing thing. And it can point to God and the salvation that he has for us all. And again, I'll say again, people have to see it to be inspired by it. They have to know about it to be inspired by it. Our wounds and our scars tell our testimony, and we become more relatable, and there's encouragement when we share what we've been, what we've been through and that we're not perfect. In Revelation uh, 12, 11, this is uh, talking about when Satan is finally cast out of heaven and defeated. And, and what does they say? They say, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, so Jesus' sacrifice, and the word of their testimony, right? So their, their, their proclamation that they believe in Jesus, that Jesus saved them and healed them. They, they needed the sacrifice, and they needed to tell people about their faith, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So our testimony is powerful. These words that we share and our stories are powerful. And we, we just want, we tend to hide them. And I just don't want people to do that anymore. So our specific brokenness and restoration is unique, just like a repaired dish. Um, we're not alone in our brokenness. And some of the heroes of faith, right? So in your Bible, Hebrews 11 is a great chapter to read. Uh, I think they're all great to read. But um, Hebrews 11 goes through several different heroes of faith. But a few of them, David, King David, um, you know, man after God's own heart, right? That's the epitaph that is written on his, uh, his gravestone. And, you know, he had affairs, killed, killed his friends, killed his loyal soldiers, uh, some, those are some wounds, some failings, right? Um, he calls out Gideon as a mighty warrior. And when he finds him, he's 
hiding in a hiding in a pit. That doesn't really quite seem like a mighty warrior, right? Um, Peter, the rock that he's going to build his church on, a denier. He denied Jesus three times the night before he died, but he's still the rock that he was going to build his church on. And Paul, a persecutor, wrote so much of the New Testament, it's, it's ridiculous, right? I think behind Luke, he might have been the second, uh, written the most of it, second most of it, um, but an early persecutor of the church. And so God l- looked at these people and these men and, and redeemed and, and healed those wounds and used them for mighty purposes. We still talk about them today, right? Um, and I'd say, even in our own church, I can think of stories of healing and redemption. I can think of restored marriages. I can think of physical healing. I can think of so many of these stories that are just there to be shared. And we just, we can't hide them, right? We, we got to share those stories and those testimonies. So just like these dishes, all of them are broken in different unique ways and put together in very different unique ways. But they're all more valuable because of it. And I think we can all see the beauty in this brokenness and in those, those scars that they have been repaired with. And those are like us. There might be, we might be differently broken, every one of us, but we're all repaired and more beautiful and more valuable because of what we've been through. And God's strength and love and grace is shown through those scars. So really what you see here, I think, what stands out most, right, is the gold. I think you see that more than the pottery even. And that's God's grace and strength and love. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, 9, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So he's, he's talking about Jesus here. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness is so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So he's saying, I'm not going to talk about my strength, my, my power. I'm going to talk about God and his power in my weaknesses. And that's that golden, golden healing there, that mending of with gold. So really, our history is not something to be hidden or thrown away. Don't try to be this unbroken dish, right? It's fine. It's, you know... I don't know what a dish like that costs from Ikea on the left there, but um, a buck? Yeah, maybe a buck, right? So don't try to be that. Don't, don't yearn for that. Be that repaired dish. Be the one that has their scars, that, their, their healed wounds on display. And that's really going to help inspire people. God's beauty and power is shown Uh, in our healed past and wounds. So I'd say this week, I would just challenge you and ask you, um, as you leave here today, I don't want you to just kind of hear this and go continue to do what you've already been doing, but um, in your prayer time this week, would you ask God to show you the ways that you've been healed and that the scars that you've been, that he's mended? And it's related to that. Ask who you can encourage with that. And second, or third, I guess, tell your testimony. You never know who this is going to inspire and give hope to. Um, so and if you haven't thought about your testimony, I'd encourage you to maybe 
Just pray through that. Write it down. Um, you know, it's, we should be ready to give our testimony and inspire people. And fourth, be in a community. In a community, you know you're not alone, and you can let others know that they're not alone. Uh, one of my favorite verses uh, in all the scripture is uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Sorry, Donald, I don't think I prepped you on that one. Um, but it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I think we can fall into this habit of not getting together, of just thinking I, I can pray and I can read my Bible and that's all I got to do. But there's so much power in being in a group, in, in a congregation. So he says, not neglecting to meet, another, meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as, it, as you see the day drawing near. Um, but encouraging one another, right? Being together and encouraging one another. It's so powerful. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's 11.02. I appreciate everybody's patience with me this morning and being here. Um, I just, so I just want to end this praying for you all. I just want you to, again, know how, how beautiful you are, that even though you've been through some history and brokenness, God has healed that. You're, you're qualified. God still has great plans for you. He wants you to encourage one another and not hide your past and not be ashamed of it. So let me just pray that for you all. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your love and your redemption and just your power of, uh, of the value that you add to our lives when we come to you. And so I pray that you would just bless this congregation, bless everyone here this morning, that uh, they would just be able to look back and see how you've healed them and where there may still be some sharp edges and shards that you would just continue to heal them, that they would come to you unashamed, unafraid, and just ask for that healing. And I pray that you would just give it to them very easily and clearly, that you would just inspire everyone for their testimony and just encourage all of us to, uh, to know how much you love us and restored us and to share that and put that on display. And I pray that through that, uh, the people that would, we would interact with uh, in our day-to-day -day lives would be encouraged by it and inspired by it, that, um, that just lives would be changed, that your kingdom would grow because of our testimonies and because we are not trying to hide our past or hide the things that we've overcome. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless everyone here this morning, help them to... Uh, just feel encouraged and valuable and loved um, as they leave this morning, and uh, is that we would we would not just leave this message at the door, but we would take it with us, God. So, in we in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.